0: Welcome to the Young Adult Ministry Podcast, the YAMcast,
1: where we talk about everything the church needs to know and some things you don't need to know about failing forward in young adult ministry.
2: We are starting these monthly podcasts with a discussion about the book Sustainable Young Adult Ministry
0: and anything else we feel like. Hi, my name is Kenny. I'm from Boise, Idaho.
2: My name is Jeremy, and I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. And
1: I'm from, I'm Chris from Cincinnati, Ohio. And here we go.
0: I gotta, I'll just start with a confession about like how I'm doing, because we wanted to check in to get started on how each one of us are doing. And we started uh, actually sharing about that. And I made a stop and just start recording, start live, because Jeremy is just, he's just throwing gins out. It's just got to grab before they fly by, you know? Chris is deep in thought, taking it in, about to just drop profound ponderings on us. And I'm like, we got got to start. But let me just start with a confession today about Cyber Sunday and online church. Number one comes from my wife and family. I don't, I do know what it is. It's a personality issue, self-control issue on my part. Sitting in my living room, watching my home church that I dearly miss and want to be in in proximity presence, like in the same space with, I become like a junior high boy, like your least favorite junior high boy at youth group that won't shut up, won't put his phone down, um, won't stop messing around with his neighbor, you know, and, and you're just like, would you please just sit still? This is the only time of the week that you can do this thing. You don't do this anywhere else in your life where you worship And you pray and you gather in community, and my wife and kids and cats are looking at me like, "What is wrong with you?" So that's on me. No excuses. And then, just shout out to my amazing pastoral staff and team at our church, on which I'm a volunteer at at our church and, and work with the young adults. Um, I got it wasn't it wasn't bad, but I got a little unruly in the Facebook live commenting stream live streaming our church worship service today and it was a little much um and apparently there was some some pushback and so if anybody from my church community is listening right now i just want to say i apologize i have a, I our pastor has reached out to us he's a dear friend and in love and just said hey what's going on and i was like i am sorry and i'm pretty sure one of the comments that it just i mean it's not that it was bad or untrue I just said, hey, let's all save our palm branches that we picked up from the church this week. We all have in our living rooms right now. Cats like to eat palm branches. I don't know why. Save those, burn them, and use them. Let's use them for Ash Wednesday next year because that's like how you do this thing, right? And I've done that multiple different years when I've been charged. But I said, make sure you have a window, don't burn them inside, and make sure you have a window or don't have a window or a door open because when you burn palm branches, it smells like weed. I put that in our live Facebook feed. For our church worship, Sunday morning service was like 146 people viewing. And in retrospect, I should have done that. And I'm sorry. I apologize. I've apologized to my pastor. I said, let me know if I need to talk to anybody. I didn't know what weed smelled like. But I did this one time when I worked at this church way back when. I left the teen center door open, burned it outside on the fire escape. It sucked it into the building. And I went back down to the church office. And my admin assistant at the time said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm palm fronds." She goes, it smells like weed. I'm like, I didn't know. I, but yeah, I, I guess some of it came in the building. So, and then my wife, my wife is like, you need to chill out in in living room church. And my pastor's like, you need to chill out in cyber church. And I received the rebukes today. And now I'm muting my mic. Well, thank you for your confession.
2: I, I, that, we're all figuring out a new normal, right? Um, in terms of uh, uh, our interactions with people and. <laughs>
1: Our interactions with church as well. Um, I think I think that's helpful information, man, and I appreciate the heads you're right, up. It's
2: not untrue.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just a time and a place. A time and a place.
2: Yeah, I was I was um, saying as we were getting started that I think for me one of the things um, right now um, my senior pastor um, here in Nashville, Shauna Songer-Gangs, had asked this week. Um, With everything closing down, what's something that's opening up in your life? And for us, it's um, we're getting like two, if not three, walks as a family in a day. Um, One because it gets us some, you know, it's I think up somewhere in the 80s today, um, temperature-wise, and so we're able to uh, get sunlight, some warmth. Like it's it's good physically, emotionally, mentally, uh, everything. And with a um, our son who turns three this month. Um, especially it helps burn him out. So we try to do it before he needs to sleep, Uh, but it's just good time to be walking around, um, and trying to socially distance walk kind of stuff. Um, but I think one of the other things is it reminds me that, um, as during our time as missionaries in West Africa, that this is what we're all experiencing is a lot like what, um, I think for us was definitely and maybe i think from what i've heard from others is a typical missionary experience where you you do the essential work um but you do spend a lot of time with your family and at home um not that you're secluded um, uh, indoors specifically but a lot of what you do is is in your homes and so um this is some of these rhythms are taking me back to when we were missionaries in west africa like I do my work when my kids nap and then after they go to bed at night. And so I do the essential stuff during the days, but any of the deep work I need to do has to happen 10, 11, 12 at night because it's the best time. Um, and in the small apartment that we're in, like I'm recording this in my son's bedroom right now with his his crib right here. Um, like we don't have a lot of space. So it's, taking, it's new rhythms for us, but in some ways, it's also some, some rhythms that we had figured out uh, in a different time and place
0: jeremy are you back in nashville we are
2: yeah yeah okay we had ran we had ran up to be with family in indiana for a week right um to give us a backyard and some extra family to, to hang out with before everything got more and more shut down and so we're down here it's given us the chance to continue to be to the limited degree that we can do some pastoral things um in person like uh, running errands and getting groceries for people um, but then um, it's also a lot warmer here than it is uh, even in Indiana so
0: as huh. well well I'm gonna add backyards in Nashville to my prayer list for you yeah that's um, so that you don't have to drive what is it six hours north
2: it's four hours if you don't have uh, two young ones but it, it's six to seven yeah.
0: hours <laughs> with them yeah Lord Lord provide a backyard in Nashville. Maybe a
1: house with it. So that's us. How are you, Chris? I'm good. I'm good. I did some deep work, some deep thoughtful reflection yesterday. Mm. Uh, I've been meaning to engage in some online gaming, and uh, and I've spent the entire day yesterday playing modern, uh, not modern warfare, uh, Warzone, Call of Duty Warzone. So nice. I feel like that's a little confession. I, My future son-in-law is living with us in the basement, and he plays uh, quite a bit. I won't say constantly, but he plays quite a bit. Um, so when he was away... So this is an incarnational activity for you. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, definitely bonding time. Um, no, actually, he was at work for a 12-hour shift at the hospital. He's a nursing student. so uh since he was gone 12 hours that gave me 12 hours to play the game so nice <laughs> on the campaign and finished it yesterday oh but i re i restarted it at a harder level so now i've got to go through it again Games. so so yeah uh that's opened up for me um i mean we're doing well it's it's uh you know to to be someone who Literally, kind of lives and plays and hangs out and does ministry through a coffee shop that's closed. It's definitely uh, a weird time. So, I find myself just driving over to the shop just to roast a batch for fun, you know, because it's a weird time, but lots of good family time. Definitely enjoying extra time with my kids. Um, Family game nights pretty much every night, you know, some new board game um we're having a great time we're big i tried to talk jeremy into ambushing you while you were
0: roasting and like try to get you to talk to us because i think that'd be cool
2: (laughs) i could just imagine that going wrong and you dropping
1: your phone into it and then that just giving it
2: completely messing with the flavor profile
1: yeah well the only thing you could drop a phone into would be the cooling tray at that point it's only going to damage the phone okay probably not
0: (laughs) coffee nerd coffee nerd (laughs) love it um but cooling tray. Are you guys still like doing
2: You had like a deal going on um for coffee, right? Is that still going on? It is.
0: Ooh, plug it to so the end
2: of
1: the day. plug it. Yeah. Through the end of the day with any order, we are throwing in a free bag of the Brazil Rose Diamond coffee. So uh, while supplies last. Yeah, we had about And how do people order that, Chris? Oh go to NumaCoffee.com. That's P-N-E-U-M-A-Coffee.com. Uh, and NUMA is a sponsor because Chris is with us. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> right. The Panuma coffee. Check it out. Mm. Um, yeah. In fact, love me some Panuma. Some people didn't know about our deal, and we just shipped out like eight or ten orders on Friday. And they, uh, you know, three or four of them emailed me, "Hey, did you mean to? Do we need to? Do we owe you money? There was an extra bag of coffee in there." I'm like, "No, that was part of the deal." They obviously didn't see the Instagram post, so they didn't know what I was doing. But we're just ordering coffee anyway. But um, so lots of people are ordering um, coffee, which is cool. Yeah And since you're
2: plugging it, do you just want to give like a, a thirty second or something? Like if I were to buy a, a bag of coffee right now, what does that go towards? Um yeah, so
1: it helps send my daughter to college. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and stay away. put food on the table. No, um, <laughs> so Numa coffee really just it it mainly exists to help support the nonprofit campus ministry initiative that we do. Um, at the University of Cincinnati and around um, some other areas too, but mainly uh, what we're doing there at UC with students. Um, so, pretty much any of the money that we don't need to pour back into the business and buy bags of coffee or uh, new equipment or things like that um, gets rolled into campus ministry in some way. So, um, yeah, so we've got a lot of churches who are partners with us. We love having churches that serve Numa coffee, and um, pretty much basically the way it breaks down is at least $1 from every bag of coffee purchased online all the time, as long as it's not already discounted, um, will end up going to fund campus ministry. That's one way to look at it. Churches buy five-pound bags of our Jubilee blend, and $5 from every five-pound bag of Jubilee blend goes into the campus ministry funds. So, Speaking
2: of churches, uh, Adam Cheek just commented on Facebook saying that he's missing your coffee right now oh, yeah. because they have it. They have it at their church every Adam. morning. Adam, yeah, Adam and Richardson, like Adam that, Cheek.
1: Richardson, Texas. They've been one of our coffee partners Woohoo. for quite a while. So,
0: I'll give you one guess. I'll give you both one guess if you're if you're so inclined on what I received my first order. To make for someone today. And like they already transferred money into my PayPal account for me to make this. Yes. Here? Yes. Um, (laughs) I have a local guy. He's like, can you make me a couple of those? I'm like, here's here's a DIY video on how to make them yourself. And then I was like, he wants to pay me. I'm like, how much would it be worth it to you?
1: He doesn't want to do it himself. I'm not gonna,
0: I'm not gonna, yeah, he's like, I don't got time. He works, he, yeah. Anyway, it's essential. I'm like, I'm yeah. I'm I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. That's awesome. I've got birthday certificates to Lowe's, and I'm gonna do it. <laughs> gift gift cards to Lowe's. That's what I asked for, and I've got them.
1: <laughs> now you've got to figure out. Okay, if this is if this is the cost of goods, if this is the cost of shipping, what do I charge this person Bro, for this bag of coffee? I'll
0: tell you my business oh. model. No, I'll tell you business model later. If you
1: want to talk, <laughs> if you want to talk shop, sweet, sweet. Um, so anyway, things are good. Or get it, or awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's all I got.
0: Okay. Well, Jeremy's following the notes rather closely, more closely than I am on occasion, or probably all the time. But we've already kind of checked in and shared where we're where we're from and what's going on in our lives, um, essentially. But you Jeremy, your question of, you know the how did you say it? There's, there's things we've lost, but there's things we've gained or there's things that have closed to us. What things are opening up to us. Yeah. I am, I'm kind of savoring that thought. Um, because we've, I think here in the Wade household, as my wife and I are talking, um, I think us as parents, the daughter in college, son in high school and son in middle school. Um, I think she and I are beginning to hit kind of a, uh, a lament stage. And I don't mean that in any way facetious or or goofy or sarcastic. Like, like we're lamenting for our kids, like their track season, their cross country season. They're not being able to be at school around friends, both college and high school and middle school. Um, The, as parents, like how long is this going to go on? Like normal will be a new normal and will be something we go back to. It's something we're we're going forward towards, but I think the grief of it has really kind of hit me in some ways kind of snuck up on me a little bit. Um, just, just lately when <laughs> occupying my time doing different things. Um, but I thought we'd, as we get into kind of culture corner, we're living in this Corona climate and cultural conditions that we're all learning to navigate with the different tools that we have. um, and I was just curious, I, mean, I think we've shared this some and, and a little bit, but what, what are maybe more in depth, just some things that we're exploring in the light of Corona that we're personally kind of implementing to adjust for, for today? I think that's a different question than what we've talked about already, or, or is it? Let me be more succinct. What are we personally doing to navigate Corona ever-changing cultural conditions? How are we individually doing with that? How's Kenny Jeremy and Chris, how are we doing with that?
2: Yeah, uh, that's that. I explained that. uh, I understand that explanation better. So thank you for uh, taking a second stab at that. I think, um, back to uh, at the risk of, um, overusing um analogy from from missions but they talk about like you you can go somewhere for like two weeks um before like the real culture shock begins to like really hit in because you can you can hold your rhythms or kind of like say okay i'm gonna pause stuff and live life for two weeks but once you get past the two weeks it's like stuff starts to unravel because you have to develop new habits and a new normal and for a lot of us we've just in the last week or so um kind of hit that post second week into third week where like we can't just like we have to develop new habits um because like life is continuing on to some degree and figuring out what that um is like and so i know for for our family it's a lot of walks it's a lot of outdoor time trying to find creative ways to keep our kids um um having fun and occupied. Um, but then for like, for me and for my wife, Ritu, it's also using a lot of things like Marco Polo, FaceTime, zoom to where, um, you know, we've, we're doing our college Bible study on zoom, our, um, our own personal, um, small group that we're in, um, we'll be meeting later tonight and over zoom we'll hang out, catch up, talk some about the sermon from this morning from our church and then play, um, I think Quiplash or one of the other Jackbox games over Zoom with screen sharing that kind of stuff. Um, and I know that at least with with Kenny, I know we've talked about. But um, Chris, I don't know if you've had Marco Polo, but like the influx of people who've got Marco Polo. Again, we used it. We started using it when we were in West Africa with inconsistent. Um, internet usage. And so you could send something and it would buffer rather than FaceTime, just kind of skipping. And so, um, the people like the number of people I'm using Marco Polo with like trying to find creative ways to, um, catch up, uh, on life with people. Oh, Kenny is currently on Marco Polo. Um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> one of the other blessings. So, um, one of the other things that's helping, the. Um, Uh, for those, uh, any watching or listening, I, for two months was in a, in a brace on my left hand, um, because of an unfortunate cooking accident with a butter knife and an avocado. And so just this week I got out of my brace, um, and I still have um, a way to go in terms of my ring finger healing and therapy and whatnot. But, um, I am now able to wear my Apple watch again, and I've not worn this in over two months. Um, I had to, um, you know, deep clean it from, uh, all of the blood that got on it on the morning that I, uh, sliced my hand open. But, um, so I just got your Marco. Brio Bro, I'm eating,
1: man. <laughs> stop. <laughs> stop sharpening your butter knives. Exactly. <laughs> um, and there's avocado on
0: my hamburger. So, oh, that sounds too good. soon.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm not allowed to use the avocados anymore. or um, to cut them. My wife does that. We had it for breakfast this morning. And, um, but yeah, to your question, Kenny, I think um, one, we're trying to spend more time outdoors and also trying to use technology to stay in contact with. Uh, with people like me, uh, my siblings and my cousins, about a dozen of us got on a call last weekend and just caught up on life. We shared photos and videos, um, through zoom and just kind of like, you know, spent time saying like, what are y'all doing at home? And one of my uh, cousins, he and his father, they renovated a bathroom and then used their shotguns and blew up the toilet that they had taken out. Um, they're, they're, they're good Southern
0: folk. I would enjoy that. That was like fun to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'd enjoy watching it. I'd enjoy participating. They were inside the house uh, or they took the they, toilet they took outside. It outside,
2: backyard, along some wood. Either
0: way, I'm good. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Either way. It's a little less uh, destructive when it's in the backyard than if it's in the middle of the house.
0: Yeah. It's on gauge, really, and the load. True.
2: <laughs> so that's my response.
1: My initial initial response is that I don't feel like I'm adapting a whole lot. So maybe I'm just still in that stage of maintaining most of my own rhythms and stuff. Um, But then, yeah, when I'm out on the bike trail and I see how many people are out there and I start thinking, yeah, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Um, So I'm one of those people that's maybe still in a little bit of denial, like... uh, how. how seriously we should be taking the distancing thing, um, although I tend to keep my distance, I guess when I want to, um, <laughs> you know. But but ministry wise, it's definitely been it's been tricky, and I I can't remember where I've already said this, but for some of us, uh, this could be a bit of a slap in the face. I think um, when you think you have more relational investment in someone than, you know, maybe if they're able to walk away or I guess what I'm finding is there's some students, you know, from campus that I thought, you know, I was seeing every week and I'm talking to them here and there. Um, but it's been very hard to stay connected or I don't sense a, a big willingness, you know, on their side right now to ch- kind of maintain some deception conversations or things like that so anyway I'm getting a little bit of a slap in the face I think on some of that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. part of my adjustment to you know this whole scenario I think is is coming to grips with that a little bit and I wonder even with some churches or even say a small group that you're a part of I was thinking about my own small group I just asked my wife a little bit earlier hey should we be like Trying to zoom our next gathering because we haven't met now in like four weeks and you know, nobody's reached out, nobody's really (laughs) suggested that yet from our group. And we have about seven or eight couples that are part of it. And a part of me just takes that as okay, maybe we're not all as invested in this community as we thought we were. So I think there's some interesting uh, critiques, you know, that might be happening as we go through this of just realizing. Uh, even with churches too, churches tend to judge how well they're discipling based on attendance. And so um, this could be a little bit of an eye-opening, you know, wow, you know, we're not, not as far along the community path as we thought because, because this whole disconnection isn't throwing some people for a loop when it really should be. Um, and so I guess that's, that's been an interesting thing for me to do personally, as well as on a ministry kind of level.
2: But yeah. I Were you going to answer the question, Kenny? There was a question. You had asked the question. Oh,
0: uh, the, qu- the original I, question. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking about, I, I, had, I had some, I, I had some clarifiers for Chris. I had some questions. Okay, for Chris. The, I the reason responded. I was
2: asking was because Adam had also posted some questions on Facebook live that was related to community. And I was going to transition to that, but I didn't want to cut you off.
0: Yeah. Well, let's, I mean, let's, let's go there in a sec. But Chris, just as a point of clarification, is this group that's not been meeting for four weeks, the one that is on Sundays and the reason you haven't been able to meet with us? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm confused very... about that
1: because you've been saying we can't meet on Sundays because I have a group here. No, but, it... but he just, every other Sunday. It's every other Sunday night. It's not every Sunday. I need to be a better listener. It's every other be Sunday listener. night. And people are pretty yeah. committed to coming together and sharing food and meeting together and things like that. But I would be too. since we haven't yeah. been able to get together, no one has suggested, no one from the group has reached out. Of course, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm perceived as one of the leaders of the group. So maybe they were waiting for me to do this um but nobody's oh. nobody's texted and said like oh hey are we going to keep meeting on zoom or how are we going to do this so it, yeah. it just makes me wonder like okay um you know how how much are we all feeling like that is a significant part of our
0: no I'll experience just, um i just segue uh, i think there's this waiting for normal i think I think in I've had this that I've been feeling personally, the young adults, the other adults, older adults in my life um, that I've had a hard time tracking down at some point or just to get to respond to any form of digital communication has been their waiting to talk in person. I mean, you have those folks from church, right, that they wait until Sunday morning to come talk to the pastor, (laughs) like the worst time to talk to a pastor anytime ever for them to remember anything Sunday morning. You could call, you could email, you could text, you could Marco Polo. You could do any of those things, but you wait till Sunday morning to talk to the pastor. I think there's still people that are thinking, I'd rather talk to them in person. So I'm going to wait. I'd rather meet with them in person. So we'll just wait. I'd rather... And there's some folks that are just now getting to the point of realizing I'm not going to be able to do that anytime soon. So do I communicate? Do I not communicate? I don't even know if they're to an either-or decision yet. They're maybe wondering about hopefully a way to communicate. Um, on a personal, on a personal note, before we dive into like how we're communicating with young adults and community and pursuing that, um, and then and then getting into the chapter here on the young adult ministry podcast, YMCast, YMCast, Um where we fail forward, friends, failing forward with frugality yeah uh i shared a little bit about the grief the lament it's not horrible stuff um there are people that are sick and people that are dying i'm not one of them there's nobody in my family or that i'm close to that 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 is living that reality right now um and so in some of my time occupying and and even some of my posting I've wondered, am I coming off as glib? Like, I don't care about the serious and heavy things that are going on in the world. And it's it's not that, as I've thought about it, it's not that at all. It's that it's that I'm wanting to do something that I'm passionate about. Um, other people might be entertained by, AKA spear throwing. And, and something that works towards the future, something in the future, but it's also something that's a distraction. Um, that's not what I'm spending all of my time doing. Um I think um I'm trying to encourage friends that are just getting to the point of they're realizing I've got to figure out a way of how I'm gonna communicate. I had a conversation with a friend yesterday, I kind of inflicted this on him and I won't call him out, but a pastor friend um that I was just like, look, people speak in different digital dialects. So what is the digital dialect of the person that you're trying to reach out to or that you think needs you want to hear from? is it text? Is it phone? Is it email? Is it messenger? Is it Instagram? Is it TikTok? I don't do TikTok. Is it Snapchat? I don't don't do that. I'm going to have to find an interpreter for that. I'm going to have to find somebody else to reach out to them to do that. That's an interpreter in that digital medium and dialect to, to get them. I don't need to be able to figure that stuff out. Um, but I probably need to find somebody that can to communicate with them. Um, so I've just been trying to reach out to people in the digital dialect that I think that they may hear me in and then respond to the ones that respond and the ones, and then, then take my time investing in the people that that do that do respond and not um, for my part, I'm not projecting on you or anybody else, but be overly judgy about the people that aren't because I am a community, trying to be a communicator over communicate. I am an extrovert. Um, I realize that that's where some of my issues with, Online messaging live and talking with people and getting a little bit excited is is that I'm not practicing self leadership and, and self control and filtering from here and from here before it it's here and just is out and you can't and you can't pull it back not horrible things just not thoughtful things I want to be I want to be mindful so as I'm checking in with myself and my family one of the things that that we're trying to do we we're Let's see. I've been working from home since the week of the 13th or 14th or somewhere in there. There was a Monday, probably the 15th, Monday the 15th. Um, On Tuesday, I started working from home. I've just been doing stuff, different rhythms, different whatever. My kids are home from school now. Um, Their online school instruction starts tomorrow. They get virtual stuff. From their schools my college daughter is already doing online stuff with northwest nazarene um but after worship in our living room this morning after cyber sunday church we we just had a conversation about what my, my wife some things my wife and i have been talking about of establishing not a schedule but rhythms what are some things we're all going to be responsible for today to contribute to the whole household um I don't, I do kind of care when you go to sleep and I do kind of care when you get up with schoolwork coming on. That needs to be, you need to manage that better as a middle schooler and high schooler. Um, and you need to embrace your schoolwork like it's your job and your calling on your life. That's kind of heavy, but it'll help. And, and, and get it done. And we're going to pray together each night after dinner. We're just going to check in with each other and we're going to pray together, center ourselves in Christ, and we're going to see how we're all doing. And then sometime during the day, each day, each one of us, we get to, we're going to play a game together. And everybody gets to pick a game. You get to pick whatever game you want to play with the rest of the family. It's taken us three weeks now to get to a place where we're like, we got to do something about this. Because we're just kind of all over the place and haven't really set a family rhythm together. And, and again, not a schedule like this rhythm of expectation that we're going to have that's life-giving. And then, and this is, I'm, I was preaching to myself after our church's, you know, worship gathering online and sermon, pastor sermon. But I just said, I am responsible for my mind, my body, my spirit, my relationships in Christ. I'm responsible to Christ for that. And I'm accountable to you four other people living in this house with me to my wife, to my daughter, to my two sons. And I said, you guys are responsible for those things in your relationship with Christ. And we're accountable to each other for those things as well. So what are you gonna do about that? Because if you don't go outside and get some vitamin D sometime during the day, or if you don't do some type of physical activity and we're just kind of cooped up doing our own things, somebody's gonna hit a wall. They're gonna hit a depression wall, just gonna have a low day, they're gonna have something and it's gonna affect everybody and, and it'll be too late by the time you realize it. And so that's why I'm whinging you and sounding luxury right now. Sorry, guys, Chris and Jeremy, this isn't at you. This was at me and my family. And so I think we've finally gotten to the point, just ending my check-in now, of going, we have to establish some rhythms, some healthy, life-giving rhythms in the light of this corona-cray-cray reality um, so that we can do well today and be ready for whatever tomorrow brings.
2: That's good. And I think that extrapolates then to one of the things that we're trying to figure out in all areas of life with work um, and with church life is how, what are the new rhythms? Um, because just like our family rhythms, our personal rhythms, the church rhythms are a lot of things that we do with other people or where we go other places. Um, you know there's that uh trending thing on online on instagram and twitter um, that i've seen it's like i like realizing all of like my habits and rhythms in life are non essential things it's it's mm. restaurants and coffee shops and like like all of the things that are that are deemed un, um unessential right now um not that chris not that they're not essential just like in terms of the gathering <laughs> yeah. um i think <laughs> yeah, I, the amount of Oh, they're
1: essential. Yeah. Chris, they're essential. We are still open, by the way. It's deemed essential. Um okay. carry up curbside well, walk-up. <laughs> yeah. As many Pneuma. as many restaurants are as well. So people still need and food, coffee. I guess. Definitely coffee. Mm. Yeah, yeah. This guy. And toilet paper. And Lysol. <laughs> back. Can you show?
2: Is that a bottle of hand sanitizer up there
1: too? <laughs> uh yeah. yeah and
0: i got one here and i got one here these are the best i don't know if you knew it but the police chief of indianapolis was getting these from your father the other week when i was there like do you have any more of those can i take some with me <laughs> fantastic Yeah. plug of uh Sh- shepherd in indianapolis shepherd community center is a relational one sponsor. of the thermetics
2: that works with shepherd community center is keeping one of those on his uh blades um, on his car so that he can sanitize his hands before he gets into the car anytime like he's going to or from like he he pulls it off sanitizes his hands so that he doesn't have to wait till he gets home to do a little bit of sanitation so that he hopefully limits what happened like getting anything on his car um so corona hack right there mm. brought to you corona by shepherd community center corona hack right there. Yeah. In the Ministry in the heart of indianapolis yeah not yet an official sponsor.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> Did you used to work there? How do you know so much about it? What's your connection, Jeremy? I think they're... Okay, um I've I've got a, I got a lot of different thoughts going through my mind right now, but Chris was about to say something cool.
1: Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, yeah, I think the rhythm, <laughs> establishing new rhythms is super important i think to be intentional also like i don't think we have to just do things or translate everything to zoom or you know whatever just because that's kind of what's trending. That's what everybody's doing. And we don't all have to do a blog post on Tiger King or, you know, whatever. But finding the rhythms that makes... Couldn't make it through, sorry. I haven't started yet. But they have, you know, at rhythms that make sense. I think doing things that are intentional, you know. And for most of us, the first level of that is family. And then the next level out, maybe faith, community, neighborhood. Um, whatever kind of stuff. But I think being intentional with those rhythms and and not necessarily um, like dictating, like in a family scenario, you, you know, it's easy for me or Kenny perhaps. Um, well, it's even easier for you, Jeremy, at this stage of parenting. But, you know, to just say, hey kids, this is what we're doing. Um, but do a little bit more of a... Um, I'm going to say something convicting right now. A little more of an inductive method of, uh, you know, from sort of exegeting your family and then helping them discover the rhythms that are becoming important or ways to incorporate meaningful things into. Uh, So for us, yeah, mealtimes, we've had real good conversations coming at the end of mealtimes right now. So figuring out how to leverage that as a real natural conversation point, discussion and... And again, not a top-down thing like me saying, oh, "Okay, kids, here's what we're going to talk about today." Um, but just facilitating. So anyway, church-wise, what
0: I heard the Holy Spirit say was, "Lead by example." Mm, convicting me through you. Uh, so
1: <laughs> follow my example as I. No, uh, I heard if you burn those inside, okay, they, careful uh, when you just
0: <laughs> Careful. Cats like to eat these. Oh. But I am learning a lot them. from you related to it. And so I induced I induced vomiting. It wasn't easy.
1: Hey. I'm always up for a new method of getting rid of cat.
0: So, Chris, you were segueing into... I think that, was a, that was a
2: really good segue in, into Just the
0: kidding. book. Okay, man. I Almost. I got on. one other thing. I got. I, you did. It's this is in the notes. But what, like, how are we connecting specifically with young adults? How are the young adults that we're in community with? How are they responding with us to us? What are we noticing? I had. Uh, I'll go first. I had um, first Zoom chat with some young adults this morning before we we, we normally have our young adult time right before between worship services. So I called it Cyber Connect instead of just Connect. And there was only three. That they showed up for it, which isn't atypical on a in-person Sunday morning for us. Um, it can be 3 or it can be 30. We don't know. Let's see what happens. But we're ready for them just to be there in community. Here's another little Corona hack. I don't know if this is a Corona hack. I'm not going to say their name because I don't want to ruin it for him. I just complimented one of the young adults. I said, hey, that's a great shirt. I have a shirt that's kind of like that. It's kind of that color I almost wore it today. It's a nice brown button down long sleeve shirt. He goes, let me tell you a secret. Learn this from a young adult today. He's right on the line between Millennial and Gen Z. He goes, I don't buy my own clothes. I was like, yeah, of course you don't. Your parents buy them for you. That's what I was thinking. And so wrong. He goes, I order them from that Amazon clothing service. And then I wear them for a week and I send them back. And then while I'm sending them back, I reorder them. And then I wear them for a week. And I was like, you don't pay any money. And you keep reordering clothes on this Amazon clothing service, which I can't remember what it's called. I've, I've looked at it before. But I was like, I'm probably not going to do this. Like yeah. I tried this, this stitch fix thing. And it was just financially unsustainable for me uh, a few years ago but I kept a pair of shoes one time that made it financially unstable for me. Um, and I still wear them. They're great. So he was like, he's like, yeah, I don't wear my own clothes. And then I started, I was like, dude, that is so like millennial, like in, in gen or gen Z. I'm not sure which one you are. He's like, I'm right on the line. And then the other guy that's older, he's like 24, 25. He jumped on me. He's like, wait, you're, you're making this a generational thing. I'm like, I totally am. I'm gen X. I never would have thought of doing that. Maybe I'm just slow, maybe I'm dumb, but you found this hack like in the system and I'm not I'm not saying that I wouldn't do it, to try it, but I just don't know that it's long-term sustainable and I and I shared this with my wife and she was like they're going to catch him. I'm like he's sticking it to Bezos. Like and with everything going on, he has no clue. The guy has no clue that this one kid is is doing this thing. And so I don't know, what do you guys think about that? What do you what do you think about ordering Perpetually from a service and returning them and ordering the same clothes or different clothes to wear them for free and never having to pay for your. I feel like if anybody can catch it, it
2: would be Amazon. I feel like they've got an AI system that could that mm. could catch that. Or I feel like if I were doing that, that I would think that okay, at what point do they deem me like enough of a of a profit loss that they then like shut out my account or something.
0: This guy hates his clothes. He hates our clothes and keeps ordering them. There's gotta be an algorithm for that.
2: Maybe an ethical I don't, one. I don't think if I don't think Amazon has any kind of ethical algorithm. Period.
0: Whoa. I think it's, I might work okay. for him. I might work for him. I'll let you
1: know. I think it's just shady. I'm I'm definitely the oldest dude, you know, in the mix here. So sometimes I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna come down just on a on an old school like dude that's just unethical. You you're you're, tick, you're not paying for your clothes. So not only are okay. you supporting uh, sweatshop clothing, but you're you're not even supporting sweatshop prices by oh whatever.
0: So I shouldn't try it. I should like at least once, like where I order some clothes, I try them, I wear them for a week, and I send them back. Shouldn't even do that once, Chris.
1: No, if you're doing it purely to get out of paying for clothes, I think if you did it once. Like if you unethical. did it like a Stitch Fit Fix box, like whereas like you you knew
2: that you might send stuff back, but if you're doing yeah. it with the with the planning and the intention of week after week cycling stuff back, like that intentionality, like if you got everything, you tried it on for a week, and you decided you didn't like it, but if you're going into it knowing that you're not going to keep any of it, and doing that on a consistent basis, I feel like that.
1: So, okay, so... I was also the youth pastor who told kids they couldn't burn cassettes and CDs if they didn't pay for the original. Wow. So I've always had kind of a hard line on (laughs) certain... Wait, when you say burn,
0: do you mean copy? Or do you mean like they're satanic and so we burn them with fire? No, I mean
1: copy. I mean like...
0: Okay. I'm old enough that I was burning them because they were satanic in my imagination. Well, I
1: burned, yeah, we had a, we had a CD burning party after a retreat one time, yeah.
0: See, it's just, I can't even unhear that that means to copy the content of the CD anymore. And, you know what I mean? I know, like now, wow. you know, it's such
2: was a like the, What was that, like the 1930s? Was
0: that? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. You know, Jeremy, you know what? You're such a kind and loving person. It's It's completely impossible for me to feel generationally insulted by you, by some backhandedly calling me old. Impossible.
1: Do your worst. It, was the, ni- it was the 90s. So, I mean, I don't know how long ago that sounds to you, but... Um... It's back when Smurfs and Care Bears
0: were of the <laughs> devil. Yeah. And now they're just worth a lot.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I get on to... <laughs> you know, my own kids or, you know, college students. And obviously I have to be careful, you know, the ways in which I have these kind of conversations, but I tend to just ask questions like, you feel okay about that? You know, (laughs) like, um,
0: (laughs) Unjudgy tone though. That's always good. Chris, way to stay neutral.
1: (laughs) What's your main motive here? Are you, I mean, are you just trying to steal clothes or are you just make, but here's my question? Are you just like here's my a punk rocker? You know,
0: if the system allows it, and he's not the system, the system doesn't tell him he can't do that, and he keeps doing it, is it is it
1: wrong? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's like I mean, I agree with you. Isn't that like Paul's? I, I'm not. I'm not okay with. Isn't it like Paul's statement? Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Um but sometimes you have to try just to find out. That's usually what I do. Or just no, I didn't say just that out loud. Because
0: I can. This is why I'm not allowed to comment in my church's worship just service. Because anymore. I can
1: get away with it. Does it make it you know wrong or whatever? Um Yeah, that's yeah. see you but you say the most
0: profound things, Chris, but you say them in uh this probably isn't really important kind of tone, but yeah, whatever. And it kind of trails off, but it's the it's it's the it's the golden thread that you're weaving, my friend. By
1: that time I've planted a few, you know, strategic <laughs> splinters. Um,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. um I'm gonna wear a shirt that I got for free from Amazon next week. You're not even gonna know.
1: Hey, let me let me throw this little scenario at you. I know this may be off topic, but as I work as uncle. I work with college students and there's a student I'm discipling, and um, they totally out top. They posted something that was inappropriate. And basically it was it was a title of their workout, and it was an abbreviation of profanity, um, mm. kind of a thing. And it just kind of bugged me, and I thought, uh, you know, does that just bug me because I'm old? Does that bug me because I'm discipling this guy? And I think that he's posting something that anyone would post and so it in no way reflects spiritual growth or the journey that he's on or whatever so anyway i ended up instigating this conversation and um and it was it was one of those painfully awkward kind of conversations where you know you walk away as the mentor thinking i don't know if i you know did more harm than good in that um because generation, generationally he i could tell he just did not get that what i that i was saying the abbreviation he used when somebody reads that they don't read the letters they translate it in their mind and think you know basically it was af um oh yeah and and i said when you see af you're not just thinking af i mean you're thinking the words as whoop. yeah and and so I said, hey, if 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 you were talking literally face to face with me or with your pat other pastor or with Jesus himself and you were describing this experience, would you have said it like that? Would you, you know, tell Jesus, yeah, this is as boring AF? Um, and so anyway, it was just one of those conversations where it's hard sometimes to know if you're dealing with things that are generational or is is it just, it is a maturity. It is a spiritual growth thing. It is like somebody who's not comfortable enough with their identity in Christ that it even occurs to them as, you know, Mm. an an issue. Um, So I think this thing could fall into that credit category as well, because it's so, it would be something so embraced from a mainstream perspective and even championed by some like, yes, yeah, stick it to the man. He's got plenty of money. Um, you know, whatever. But anyway, it strikes me as that sort of
0: No, I think that's a good sort of thing. that's that's a really good connection point. And a great story that you just shared with us.
1: Yeah. I hope he doesn't Chris, I, I, I think, hope he doesn't I think watch the this.
0: conversation Well I think the conversation was was worth having because you care. Wherever it lands and whatever they decide to do, the fact that you were willing to do that as a friend, as a mentor, and as a fellow believer, um, I, think, I think it speaks to your, to your love and care, concern, and, and your willingness to be vulnerable and to have the awkward conversation. I, personally, I respect that. And I respect it when, like, the people in my life today came to me and said, not that I was you know alluding to profanities, um, but just said, you're making this hard for me. Like you're making this hard for me in real life and in digital community. What's, what's going on with you? Mm. I, I receive that. That's, that's on me now. You know, yeah, um, and I think, um, what you shared, yeah. Chris, I think
2: it is a, um, I think a part of it is a cultural piece as well, um back to our friend, Adam cheek on the Facebooks, um, as he's still, uh, following along with our conversation. So he has a young adult. Um, there's a young adult that he works with mid thirties that doesn't think cussing is an issue. And I think that's, um, maybe a reality that, um, depending on people's upbringings, their culture, where they are in their and their, and their just walk in life in general, um, that there's different understandings or expectations of what um, language we use looks like, um, but nonetheless, does it? It doesn't negate well, ha- being using that as conversation um, pieces um, with those that we're working with of, of any age. I would say
1: and i tried to be clear with this with this young guy that i i don't see cussing i don't see using the f word or i mean that's maybe one of the worst ones to use but in general like i don't believe cussing is quite like you know how i was raised like it was a heaven or hell issue it was like <laughs> salvation versus you know you're you're unclean you know if you're using language like that i don't believe that and i told him i don't know that God cares maybe even as much as I care about it right now in this moment. I'm not sure, but I know culturally it just is a, it's a bit of a statement and it's, um, it's just participating in kind of a, I don't know. I just think as Christians, as we grow, we want to be a little more. Yeah, I, think, I think that's an important
2: piece of it. Um,
1: and subversive. Culturally to subversive.
2: And to be journeying with him. Um, are we, um, and, and, and what we say and what we do in person, definitely harder, especially when we do it online, because there's less of that instant um, pushback. How are we representing Christ? Um, and are we creating uh, stumbling blocks for other people? Um, I think it's important.
1: And, I have, and I'm around college students all the time who they could say, hey, this is boring AF. And it wouldn't necessarily bother me, but it's somebody that I'm in relationship with. It's, it's relationship. It's somebody yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, discipling. Yeah. So it's not just anyone. Um so I yeah, that's a little point of clarification too. But yeah, I think that's an important point, clarification. Uh, yeah, we don't kick people out of the coffee shop just, you know, for like, I mean we'll we will ask people if somebody's being loud and dropping the F bomb or something. I mean we <laughs> And we're not an overtly Christian atmosphere, I would say. Um, so some people might be hanging out there and not even know it's a nonprofit or it's run, It's kind of faith based, whatever. Um, but if somebody's just being disruptive, just basic communal politeness, you sure. know, you'll call somebody out for for that sort of thing. But anyway, um, if you guys would
2: yeah. um, allow me to to pivot our, our conversation, um, just because in terms of my parental responsibilities. Um, I probably have about 25 minutes uh, left, top of the hour here, um, to to continue our conversation. And I wanted to make sure that we at least talked, we referenced uh, the book a little bit. Um, it, unless we have anything else on that, I was just going to kind of throw that out to give you that timeline
1: for... I have It's time. <laughs> I have to play Call of Duty in like 20 minutes. so
0: I have to go throw spears live
1: on Instagram. You, you so. got to make a spear. Yeah, you don't. Well, want It's Sunday, bro. I'm pretty sure there's something. I mean, to...
0: Exactly. This Knox is
1: not in the ditch, right?
0: <laughs> so, for those of you, thank you, Libby. I guess. Wait. I just wanted to be like you I'm guys
2: holding it up. Oh, there it is. Yep. Can you see it? For those of you uh, following oh, along on yeah, Facebook oh, okay. Live um, or on podcast, I'm, I'm holding up sustainable young adult ministry, mm-hmm. making it work, making it last. Uh, by Mark DeVries and Scott Pontier, which, um, quick context, we, we, the three of us decided to read this book together as we're involved in different um, ways in young adult ministry across the United States. <laughs> and out of World reading decision. that, we decided to have World these conversations, decision. which, as we mentioned earlier, um, I think we recorded uh, the beginning of February um, was when we started um, recording stuff, having these calls, um, and from the beginning yeah, right. of February to now here. Um, as we're recording this at the beginning of April, everything's, yeah, everything has been turned upside down. But we want to continue to um, talk about this book. And Chris, I appreciate you pointing out, I know we had a conversation offline um, over the last few weeks of trying to discern um, how we continue uh, these conversations. And hopefully, um, as we learn together, be able to share it in ways to uh, bring others into the conversation and to to uh, to share what we're learning with others that are involved in ministering young adult ministry as well. And so um Chris saying, yeah, this book was written in a different, you know, time and we had started the conversation in what seemed like a different world, but that it still really um uh, relates um and that conversation about how it relates I think is really important um and how we do young adult ministry in a sustainable way and a changing world that, that applies. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm excited to talk about some of the chapters we had talked about, um, discussing on this episode, um, because of the change world that we find ourselves in. So that's uh, me making that pivot, um, to, um, our conversation. Yeah.
0: So the first episode we did, we covered the introduction and, and chapter one, and we just invite people to get the book and read along with us. Uh, I'm going to jump in here on chapter two because we we're looking at chapters two through four. Potentially, we'll see where we get. Sounds good. Jeremy, give us a five-minute warning. Okay, bro. Um, I love the title of chapter two, Mistake. Let me tell you about my mistake that I made was when Jeremy and I were live streaming last week, and I said that this book is... Probably not relevant for today, and which Chris privately messaged me later and said, "You know, I really disagree with you on that." In Chris's <laughs> loving way, and I agreed with Chris, disagreeing with me because um, I think he's right. And as I've gone back and I've looked over the chapters and I've looked at my just highlights from the chapters, I'm like, "This is just as relevant. It it totally plays today." And I don't know how you guys want to progress forward in the conversation of maybe. What stood out to you from the chapter? Um, chapter two kind of begins this series of chapters on six mistakes we often make in the church in trying to initiate and lead young adult ministries. So, who wants to take it away?
1: Well, I would. I would also say that I'm. I'm kind of of the opinion. I mean, if any book is worth studying, it's worth studying probably regardless of contemporary you know events um otherwise many of these books i have here around me you know once they were written i should just throw them away if they were only good for a particular context so and i think this is a particularly good time for people to read books um actual books yeah yeah so Hmm. so anyway yeah i do feel like this book has what i call transferable concepts and it's not just specific points that were only true for uh you know, even I think there's a lot of things here you could apply outside of young adult ministry. But these mistakes that um, that they're identifying as the six common mistakes of which I I made all and more um, as I was failing forward in young adult ministry. You know, and thank you for doing uh, that, Chris, a few years back. But um, and to me, this first mistake, I mean. This is something that, even as we've talked about coronavirus stuff, like even our this little podcast and this conversation. um, If we've all just read books about young adults and millennials and Gen Z, and that's all we bring to this conversation, um, it might not be worth just tuning in theory. Um, But to the extent that we each have relationships with young adults, uh, in fact, Jeremy might still be a young adult for a few more weeks. So I'm like two of them. So we have, yeah. we have a relationship with a young Token, though, right Token so. millennial right here. Yeah, we do. Which is our only
0: relationship. Whichever box yeah. he's in, I'm like, <laughs> Token millennial. Um, <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so. Mute, mute your microphone, Jeremy. No, I'm just kidding.
1: So, so this is definitely one that, and as I was saying before, like the slap in the face of the coronavirus situation, uh, it's really helped me identify where my relationship status was with certain college students. That I was engaged with, the ones that have easily kind of let go, so to speak, of our weekly conversations or whatever. I just know I was not, I didn't have enough time with that young adult or I wasn't invested enough in them. So I think this idea of spending time with young adults, even after lunch today, I asked my girls, my oldest is 20 and my middle uh, daughter is 17 um so ask them a few questions like hey you know how's your generation how's your people responding to this you know just did a little research poll you know with them now they don't count they don't they're not the only ones that count in terms of my my young adult exposure um cuz that's too easy but um but anyway i do think spending time with young adults you know especially the older i get in ministry if if i just think i've learned something or i've read a book um i think that's just a that's a recipe for (laughs) mistakery um did you say that the mistake
0: number one is is just learning about young adults it's like Learning things about young adults and so you think you know about young adults because you've learned things about young adults. Yeah, because you read David Kinnaman's latest book and or I, th- I think I
2: mentioned this um, yeah. in a previous conversation. Um, I heard somewhere like if all it took was listening to podcasts and reading books, we'd all be billionaires with six packs um, that is actually putting the stuff to practice. Um, <laughs> and the unique challenge we have now is how do we put some of this stuff to practice or continue it in a very different paradigm than we found ourselves in. Three months ago.
0: Well, I think it's giving us the opportunity with the themes of of things that are closing and opening. We're actually able to build a like a communication infrastructure that will that will be more robust and 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 tried and true that will support um, being in proximity, being in presence together, being in the coffee shop, being in the worship space being like knowing how to communicate those things and how people are receiving it, responding to it, to get us in person together. Um, I think, I think we had the in-person and realized we started needing to, communi- to do the communication. Now's the time we can, we can like build up our communication so that we can be ready to be in person together. People are going to be, hopefully, I think I am, others are super hungry for it. Um, something about, this chapter, I, I love the beginning line and the theme that runs through about a TED talk by a millennial that said, hi, right, my name is so-and-so. Um, I'm a millennial and I'm a monster. And I, I think it is... Chris, this was definitely one of the things I look back through. I'm like, oh, I was so wrong. This applies to today. What they talk about in this chapter is being an uncharted territory that no one knows how to navigate. And when typography typographers would use to make these maps and they didn't know what was out beyond the boundary of the map. They would draw uh, a sea monster. Well, our sea monster is Corona. Okay. We are way out from shore. And I told my wife this week, it feels like we're all in our own little lifeboat dinghies and we can see the other people that are floating nearby. And there's just this big armada of these dinghies and small ships and some are bigger. And we're out on this ocean. What would you call me? <laughs> we have to- Yeah, you, you heard me. We've totally lost sight of the shore. And we don't know if we're going to see the shore we came from or if we're going to end up on a brand new shore and how to even do life there. And we're really, really afraid there's monsters in the water if we get in. Hmm. I feel that way. I read that again this morning and I just resonated with that. But there's an excitement in that for me. Not that this is happening. I'm not a God-wills-it person. I think God can redeem this stuff, not that he made it happen so that, so that we had to go through it. Mm. But that I can choose to be shaped during this time in community with my wife and my family and my kids and young adults and everybody at my church and everybody else I'm in community with, youth ministry, um, aware that there are monsters, but not being afraid of uncharted territory, but figuring out how to, and how to navigate in it and learn from other people that are navigating in it as well.
1: I think we need to also be careful as we're, I don't know, trying to chart uncharted territory that we, I guess, maintain a humility, a sense of, I feel like... It's it's dangerous to get to know one millennial or one Gen Z, one young adult, one college student, and then feel like you know them all. And I think one of the points of this chapter is building relationships with um, individuals and hearing stories, and then um, and just keep to keep doing that. I also feel like one of the points here is is I often come back to this Peterson quote, which I guess he stole from Nietzsche. Nietzsche. Um, long obedience in the same direction. Um, mm. Is it And again, yeah. this is ministry in general. Long obedience in the same direction. Not thinking that you know this book or this program or this gathering or this whatever is gonna you know solve this issue. So those are probably my my takeaways. From this. One of the
0: one of the questions I'm asking myself is. The, the slow, the slow down here, will it be my adversary or my ally? Because what I heard you just talk about was the long, slow work of relationship, and the deep friendships that we have. They might have started in a, in, on a whim and in an instant, but they've you know, I can there's people popping to mind right now for me, and they're 20, 25-year-on friendships that have weathered time, we can pick up where we left off. But relationship, genuine, true relationship is slow. And I need to embrace this slowdown.
1: Yeah. I like somebody the other day was talking about how um, it might have been on NPR, some kind of program was talking about seeing this as a sabbatical, as a bit of a forced sabbatical for people who have that mm. luxury anyway. A lot of people... Are scrambling to survive, and they're not going to have the luxury of, oh, this is a nice festival yeah, time for me. Um, but I feel some guilt over that. I got to tell you, yeah. For many of us, I think there are ways to turn this into a sabbatical, reflective, kind of you know Richard Rohr contemplation-action type of um, talk. I think there's good ways like that to look at it. Uh, and I, I think so too. I would hope that there will be people telling stories about, like, oh, well, after the COVID 19 thing of 2020, or, you know, it was, you yeah. know, people just, I'm a corona baby. Yeah. People telling their stories, their spiritual journey, like marking this as a bit of a, there was some kind of mile marker at least, yeah. you know, so, along the
2: way. One of the things. Um that that reminds me of. There's a, a book that my church, the church uh, leadership at my church here in Nashville is um, reading through. It's called uh, Joining God, Remaking Church, and uh, Changing the World. Um, it's just a small little like 100-page uh, booklet, but it has a quote in there from City of God um, in St. Augustine that says, God is always trying to give good things to us, but our hands are always too full to receive them. Again, not making light of all the pain, uh, mm. the job loss, sickness, and death. But for a lot of us, we are being forced. Like our hands, uh, the stuff in, that we're trying to hold has been forced out of us. Um, and so, what do we do with that? Do we do we try to go back to what was um, at the end of this and prepare to just pick everything back up, or do we pick up? Do we just keep less? And maybe there's less things being the things that God would actually desire for. So, it being deeper relationships. Uh, being um, a more consistent uh, walk with with God. I We're not talking about this book, but like I I just started reading this, and it was one of those where it was written a couple of years ago, um, and in the very beginning of it, it says, We are confronted by a historic break, and such breaks call for the cultivation of a fundamentally different imagination. And this has huge implications for the rhythms of life and worship for Christian communities. I was just like... I'm really glad that I'm I'm reading this book and uh the one that we're talking about but just what do we need what do we need to what is being taken out of our hands what do we need to be given up um and at the same time okay so then what are we reimagining and I'll tie that in with um uh, one of these first chapters talking about um uh I think it was mistake number 2 talking about changing the worship style, which is interesting. If we'd recorded this a couple months ago, we had been talking about uh, in-person worship services, um, which is a mute point um, at this point um, in our uh, life as churches. Um, But how are we reimagining church when we're doing a lot of the worship gathering online? Um, And the thing that I'm really excited about is to see um, how do we do that and then how does it change what we do, our habits? Do we just pick everything back up after all this is over or do we have different habits um, moving forward? I know for our church today, for the for the sermon, uh, tried something different where it literally paused three times in the sermon and said, hey, here's a question uh, you can mention it, and you can talk about it in the Facebook chat or talk about it with the people that your, your, your family, oh, uh, wherever you are right now, if you're around people, um, talk about them with that, just realizing that like, live streaming what we've always done a bunch of worship, a bunch of things that like, if you're not in the room, like maybe this is just me, but like if I'm ever previous to this, like if you're listening, like I don't, I don't sing with my laptop. Um, and so I know it's something where we still have worship songs, but it's like, how do we get more participatory, um, uh, and and pivoting in that way, and I don't know if that what that will be in the long term, but um, it, it it is also something that's talked about in this book is that one of the important things when you're thinking about worship style is that you need to be who you truly are. You need to be consistent with your DNA, um, and so um, tr- you know the music we're doing is the music that we've always done. Um, less people, we don't have an orchestra and stuff, but um, we're we're trying to be consistent to our DNA, and that applies beyond what we're doing now. Um, that. Understanding who your what your DNA is as a church when it comes to worship style, um, when it comes to the kind of ministry that you do, and being authentically that, which I think is one of the important points of the book overall, is like don't be who you're not. Uh, not that you don't critically look at everything, yeah. Um, but uh, one of the things they point out in the book consistently is that the one the church, you know, the the big uh, church that's in the city that's bringing all the young people in, they've done that since day one, and that's consistent with their DNA. Um, so how do we be consistent to our DNA and still reach every generation and specific to our conversation, uh, young adults?
0: So one of the quotes I highlighted in, in that chapter, Jeremy, is what millennials really want from the church is not a change in style, but a change in substance. I know it's always risky to speak for all millennials everywhere. Um, I'm just quoting someone that did. It wasn't me. but. I think churches, we have a real opportunity right now to not just migrate attractional yeah. church to the internet, um, but to focus in on contextualized substance. And I probably told you about um, Justin that's helping us out with the podcast, with producing and everything, but their church in Seattle, uh, they've never streamed because they believed the... Just proximity is important in being together. And so in this corona environment, they aren't streaming either. But they've created a digital liturgy that they do stream and ask people gathered together to follow through and participate together as the body of Christ collectively. And of all the churches that we know and are connected to, they could put on an out-of-this-world minimalist worship set. They could rock it all day but knowing their people and reading the climate in the room and the power and and importance of proximity together, they didn't, they're, they're focusing on the sub on substance, not on style. And I got just mad respect and, and admiration for that. The, the, just the, the, the willingness and leadership to pivot. One of my new favorite words and hear you saying it too. So I feel cool. Um, but the pivot is so important right now. And not just continually pivoting, but potentially we're going this direction. We were going, it's almost a repentance. We were going this direction, and now we're going this direction with this. But it's substance, yeah, not style. Good. I know.
2: Um, yeah, like how do, how do we be consistent with who we are? And that's how that church do. I know we're, our church, we do communion, Lord's Supper every single week. But we're not right now. Um, I know it's been a lot, it's, there's been a lot of de- debate online and I'm sure offline as well in churches of, of what do we do? Do we do communion and how do we do it? And there's a lot of really creative ways of doing it. And we're just not, we're saying that we're, when we come together, um, man, it, I, we're, we'll, 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 we'll do communion then when we all get together together as the body of Christ to receive the body of christ um and in the meantime taking that time to then instead um, receive a blessing and so we've actually for most weeks invited people as they're watching online um to do what you would see like in a catholic church when you don't receive communion um, and cross your arms in a certain way and receive a blessing um and i am yearning for the day when we have like Um, Not just because we have some of the best um, fresh made bread um, that we use for it, but like, like, it's just, it's going to be, it's going to be beautiful. And that's not the way that everyone should do it. uh, But that's consistent with, with who we are in our DNA. That like, that's an important uh, piece of who we are.
1: So with this chapter talking about, you know, changing the worship service. um, Why do you think that's such a, First like inclination for a church or for a young adult pastor, a youth pastor who's supposed to do young adult ministry for somebody. Why is it that everybody wants to do that? Oh, let's create a separate worship space for young adults. That's two questions there.
0: Separate worship space and separate separate
1: okay, styles. Not space. I don't mean to focus on the space. I mean let's let's create a specific worship gathering for young adults. If we're going to be young the adults first thing ministry. that comes
2: to mind for me, and I'm a verbal processor, so I'm,
1: I'll I'll tell you if I
2: agree with this as I say it out loud, um, is that it's how we define church, and the definition of church has been the gathering with music and a really well curated sermon. Um, and so, if we if we define that as being, um, and not that that's not, I'm not saying that that's not important, um, uh, but we are in a time realizing that bringing people all together with music and with, with a, a really well-researched sermon, um, like we can't, we can't do that. Um, and I don't think it's ever been enough. Um, but, um, Chris, you, I know you shared it a few different places. It, it was, it gave me good verbiage that I've used even in our pastoral team conversations that we need to be focused, uh, more on uh, building community than pushing out content. Again, not saying that content's not important, um, but today especially there's tons. Um, and so what can we do uniquely? And I think that's um, when we just think about it in terms of content, like okay, what content do we need to share in a service that connects with the youths? And that's how like we've moved in that. And not that any of those things are, are negative, but I know I'll speak for me, like. I I I love and appreciate a lot of different styles um, of worship, but for me, the most meaningful um, the most meaningful expressions of church have not been very have been more often and not in Bible studies in small groups, um, in a uh, socially distanced walk that we took with some of our neighbors um, and like were able to talk with them on a walking path. over the last couple of weeks um, to be able to check in with them. Like it's, it's the, it's the community. It's the relationships. Mm. Mm.
0: That's what I was going to say was there seems to be a tension between content and community. And, and we think if we get the right content that people are going to show up and want to listen to it. But, but my, my default and also my pet peeve in that is, is the, the, just this attractional model where we're pretending that the church is still somehow the center of community instead of the sent body, um, to go and live it out. And so we think that if we build it, then they will come, fill the dreams. And, and so, you know, like, uh, one of my favorite books, 2003, Shaping of Things to Come, you know, no one cares if you change the mission statement and rearrange the furniture inside the building. No one knows. No one cares. No one knows how are you living out being the body right. every, every place else? And I think that young, I, I, I my experience with young adults has been um, content is important. And community is, is most important. Um, and, and when the, the, when the content points to the equipping of and facilitating of solid community, both as both as the gathered church and the scattered church, that might be a secret sauce. I think, and so to answer your question in short, my very first response, Chris, was um, changing worship styles, low-hanging fruit, because we can control that. Hmm. And we can measure it, and we can quantify it. So when- and what, what's, what's being desired is qualitative relationship.
1: Community. So at my church several years ago when I was I was trying to bridge the campus ministry stuff I do with local church thing. And so they basically designated me young adult pastor for a couple of years. that Springs up large church Cincinnati 12 1300 whatever potentially probably 100 young adults are at our church on any given Sunday 50 to 100 something like that. Um, We created a Sunday night, you know, whatever. So we did this. So this is one of the mistakes I made. I feel like we did this. We created a separate Sunday night worship gathering specifically for young adults. And and again, this was me doing something because as a former youth pastor, pretty much our go-to toolbox in the church is kind of program-based, you know, let's design something that's a program that you know, whatever, let's read a book about young adult ministry and pretend like we know what we're doing. Um, so I, I made all those mistakes. We started off strong. We had 120 young adults, first thing gathering, and then 90 and then 70 and then 50 and then 30. And then, you know, it just kept dwindling, dwindling over six months time. And I think it was really because again, it was me trying to be like this Gen X pastor guy who knows what to do given the answers or saying, you know, hey, let's do this. Instead of doing that long-term, let me just build relationships with young adults in the church, learn their context, learn their lives, and then figure out what what is needed here. And I think it also, that kind of model, I think one of the big reasons it's, it's a wrong way to go is it fails to integrate young adults into the DNA of the church and the leadership of the church. So it's just, it's another siloing kind of um, thing that happens. And some churches do it well. I'm not saying, you know, it can't work. There are some churches that do kind of separate young adult ministry things well. Um, But the point I think they're trying to make in this book here is that if you're trying to build a young adult ministry, that's not necessarily one of your first steps. That's not necessarily the right way to go. So
0: I think we need to explore that one deeper, but we need to do it next time. You've been in and out of mistake number three in chapter four. Expect the youth director to do it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's 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 pick it up there next time because jer has got a role and, and we're on his Zoom account. But we gotta get back out there, guys. We gotta we gotta go back in our world and be <laughs> the church. Okay. So if you need any of these, I got plenty of them. I got Spartans, I got youth youth and mission relics. Um, I got freebies from NYC. If you need Just spears, equip yourself to be the church. Good go
1: spears. If you need coffee, If you need coffee, I'm your man. Coffee's there. Spears here. <laughs> and if you're trying, Jeremy? if you're in any way engaged in young adult ministry, definitely. Uh, Hang out with us on Facebook, the Nazarene College and Young Adult Ministry yeah. Network, and and specific so. specific
2: to this, we like, have the like, Young Adult like, Ministry like, 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 Podcast like, like, Instagram like. account that we're getting off the ground. <laughs> the Yumcast, <laughs> Yumcast, Yumcast,
0: Yumcast, 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 Yumcast. Failing
1: forward, failing forward with the <laughs> Yumcast Trio. All right, thanks for joining us, everyone. Peace out. All right, see you, bros. And Be safe out the, there. Christ be
0: with you. Amen. And also with you.
1: (laughs) Oh, thank you.